everybody. Welcome to Reproducibility, where we drink tea sometimes and talk about open science the rest of the time. I am joined by Amy Auburn. Hello, and I need a Nicholas coffee. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and Sophia Quivel. Hi, I've got water. Like, I we've, don't we've have coffee. failed at this I tea thing coffee. very massively from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> oh god remember when we started and we genuinely had the idea of like drinking a different flavored tea every time that we recorded and thought that was going to be great and then we just never went close to that ever oh yeah like two, two psychologists for beers who always drink different beers yeah just in a slightly more like i don't know weirdly british way of saying it. yeah we really missed something there we could have done a whole thing where in, in the summer we could have drunk iced tea and told each other about the ice tea we were drinking or something well i don't know <laughs> well i, I, I mean we can still start that yeah i don't know if we lost out too much by not doing that it's an opportunity to really go for it with the pun you know i know i know and i do love the pun <laughs> I, I mean we make the most of it with the journal club that's that's probably the main thing um, okay, so today we are talking about uh, heading to conferences as early career researchers. Um, I don't know about um, uh, you two, I mean, Sophia, how kind of discussions about conferences go, but I tend to see it as more often than not, I see these huge positives. Um, but usually these huge positives come from kind of senior people who are heading to conferences on grant money. Uh, don't necessarily have to kind of worry about it as much and maybe you're often heading out to to meet all of their old pals. Um, this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it maybe just doesn't cover the like the early career perspective on conferences. So I thought it'd be a nice, nice topic for today. Um, and I'm kind of at a conference. So this is... And Amy is at a conference. What, what are you at, Amy, at the minute? I'm in... Um at the ABCD workshop, so to analyze ABCD data, which is um, the American funding organizations have just funded a 10-year study to narrow image 10,000 adolescents uh, for 10 years. So, so this is kind of a kickoff to help early career researchers and maybe not so early career researchers uh, to analyze the data, and it has a hackathon as well. So. That's really cool. Yeah, um, love a good hackathon. Yeah, but because we're on the West Coast, it's ridiculously early for me so <laughs> um, to record this podcast, which is fine. Um, so I might be a bit quiet and unusual. Maybe everybody <laughs> can live in hope. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's kind of like a, it's a very different kind of conference than to the sort of standard three or four two-hour-long symposia a day, a couple of keynotes yeah, kind of format. Yeah, it's definitely, you know, there, there's been, like, ever more diverse conferences to have in there. You know, SIPS is, like, on one end of kind of different spectrum. And then, yeah, you still have the classic ones and maybe, like, the massive classic ones where they're, like, eight streams next to each other and you're like, holy crap. <laughs> How are there so many people? I've never been to a classic conference, never mind a classic massive conference. So, yeah, how are those? What are those like, especially if you if you don't have 
um, the kind of clout, I guess, that senior researchers have. Right, because like the, the conferences that I've been to, anyway, like I so said, like small things in the Netherlands that were free, entirely funded, sort of with lunch or whatever, and sips and, you know, so sort of like all things that are very much not the, the standard kind of conference. So you need to explain this to me, you guys. Okay, Sophia. So massive, <laughs> massive conferences. <laughs> they cost a lot of money. So, yeah, so that's the first thing you're like. What? No, I get that part. I get how they work and what they are. No, so, but... like, I, like, I think my most massive conference I went to was uh, the European Association for Social Psychology in Granada. Um, and it was literally, like, eight streams next to each other at all times. Um, and, like, it started ridiculously early in the morning and went quite late in the evening uh, to fit, like, everybody in. Um, and I don't know, I felt like a lot of people who came from my institution, like you, I, I often, most people in the evenings just kind of hang out, hung out with people that they knew because it was quite hard to meet new people and the people from my institution, they, yeah, they really liked it because kind of the European social psychology section, they're like, they have these five different streams and everything was kind of in kind of had one of these five different streams so like group processes or emotions or something else um and so if you're very much at home in one of these streams you can literally go to a talk that matters to you every single session for me who kind of sits on the outskirts I felt like yeah I didn't really get to listen to a lot of things that kind of interest me and I found it really really hard to choose um kind of what might be interesting for me to go listen to so I think I had a very different experience to somebody who's like very much in the field and like all the big people are there in your field and you get like all the new ideas um like at once at a conference and you kind of you also know people from like seeing ECRs on different papers so so yeah I think they might work really well in certain instances but it was like crazy it was like three thousand people or something god like a festival sam what was your biggest conference uh oh that's a good question i think my biz- my biggest might have been the european conference of positive psychology um which Ooh. i think even then that would have only been about five six hundred people but i think the format would have been very similar kind of three or four maybe one and a half, two hour long symposia with four or five speakers, um, lots and lots of parallel sessions, um, which on the one hand is good, but I often found that whenever there was something I wanted to go to, there was also something else on that was sort of vaguely interesting. Um, or there was just nothing that interested me at all, which gave me a bit of free time, which is kind of nice on the one hand, but also feels like you're not quite getting everything that you could get out of it. Um, but I, I had the same experience because my my work at the time was sort of somewhere between cognitive and sort of positive psych, but then also sort of mental health-ish. It was this kind of weird middle point where I couldn't really talk to the non-cognitive people too much because when I talk about biases, kind of mean more information processing and they mean more 
uh, like dispositional kind of things. So there was kind of almost just a, a language barrier, I guess. Um, that and an awful lot of positive psychology is just a bit nonsense, but um, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but it sounds like just from the structure, like time timing wise or whatever, and with, with all these di- parallel sessions, that, that sounds quite similar to this year's SIPs, right? Because that was huge. I thought, like, so that was my biggest conference. <laughs> like, that's um, not huge compared to huge. Okay. But that's fine. So you have even more parallel sessions. Um, like, I, I couldn't deal with conferences that are bigger than SIPs was this year, I don't think. Um, like, I, I tend to get kind of overwhelmed and just exhausted socially anyway. So like the last evening at SIPs, I was just kind of like, no, dead to the world. I'm going to bed at maybe about eight o'clock <laughs> just because it had been days and days of just nonstop talking to people that I really wanted to talk to because it was interesting and kind of, mm. um, and I think just that sort of social, social exhaustion kind of hit. And if it was a room, for, if it were rooms or a conference kind of packed with 2000 people, I think I'd have very quickly just been like, I'm going to maybe spend the afternoon in my <laughs> bedroom and like not have all this noise. Um, so that's what I would find hard with mm. being conferences. I remember vividly getting on the Eurostar after SIPs and I was like, just sat there. No, it was the Talus that got me from Rotterdam to Brussels. And there were still people from SIPs who got on with me, but we all had different reserve seating. <laughs> I was just sitting at my table and I was like, wow, I've not been silent in like my waking hours <laughs> for a whole week <laughs> for as long as this hour of bliss. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was re- that was, yeah, was so intense. Yeah. It was really, yeah, I was really annoyed because I, I got I got super ill the the like second to last day or last day or something, Ugh. and then I just missed missed that missed lots of stuff and I was ill for like another week after that because it was so many people and I you know I have a tendency to run around and then you know the probability likely it increases that I uh, that that you get some illness from someone. Ugh. So what would I do at a conference with three thousand people? I would probably not know people or be happy to talk to them in the same way so it doesn't apply i guess maybe what differs with these bigger conferences is that just because of the nature of them and i guess because of the nature of uh sips being so different and so interactive is that like it's not necessarily hackathons where you're going to be talking to people and interacting for a few hours it's more like symposia where you're probably going to be sitting listening to several different speakers. So I think that's already kind of a different kind of interaction with what's going on. Um, so that might be kind of one place. Yeah, where- oh yeah, no, I have been to a classical co- classic conference last year. I went to, I went to one sort of normal com- conference where it's just all people talking, like people presenting and then some poster sessions and stuff. I found it really, really hard. You're such a conference millennial. <laughs> <laughs> I found it I found it really difficult to actually like properly listen to so many lectures essentially in a row and get something out of it and be able to to still be critical critically engaged with them because it's just mm. it's it's too much information like somehow I find it more tiring to actively listen 
to a talk like that than to actively engage with with a topic in a group i don't know weird yeah i completely agree i even if it's something that is immediately relevant to my own work that i'm super interested in by the time i've sat through three 20 minute talks that have all gone very slightly over time i'm just kind of itching in my seat just kind of desperate to leave regardless of how interesting it is because two hours of just sitting still and listening isn't particularly doesn't fit with me very well yeah it's not great for attention levels no whereas again something like a a hackathon or, or for example a poster session where you can be sort of very engaged with something and be asking questions and sort of trying to get an understanding of what somebody's trying to achieve um to me works a lot better Oh, uh, I don't poster sessions I find like yeah they're difficult for me at times. Well um I guess it depends what sort of poster session. Mm. Um so like I've been to uh so BABCP, the British Association for uh cognitive behavioral therapy, I think it is. Um or psychotherapies. Uh doesn't matter. Like I've been to a few of those and they're poster sessions were a bit subpar for me because they were sort of always in a really short coffee break or during a lunch where kind of nobody really cares anyway. I think last year, some of the posters pretty much faced the wall. So there wasn't actually enough room to look properly and talk to someone. Um, So the setup was quite bad for it. But then at other conferences I've been to, it's been a bigger, wider room it's been a specific poster session without any like parallel things going on or it being a lunch at the same time. So it was kind of dedicated pretty much to like, here's the time for early career people to present their stuff, to get feedback, to, to really discuss it. And I sort of found that to be quite engaging, but because it was specifically set up to be engaging like that. Um, whereas more often than not, I think poster sessions are sort of this afterthought like, oh, we have to have it because people have to present something to get funding for it. So we sort of have to have this session so that people actually come, um, which may be being overly cynical. Um, but I think sessions No, like I that don't think that's up. overly cynical. No, that, that, that seems to be the way it works, right? Which is also really odd because, I mean, surely not everyone who's going to conferences can be doing some kind of act... like active participation so how how i mean yeah how does that work from a well that's what posters are for i think like posters allow that you to feel like you do kind of have a a piece to play and yeah i think poster session can be very variable like i've heard of some conferences where you can kind of pitch your poster for a minute um and then people can go to it um and like naturally poster design then is really important to get people to talk to you. But I don't know, as a viewer, I'm always a person lurking in the background going like, how long can I look till they start talking to me? <laughs> and then as soon as they look at you, you run away. Is that there? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. Well, I, I think with any, I think with conferences, there's always this temptation or you tend to not want to be anywhere near as critical as you might be as if it was kind of not conference as well. 
Um, so like talks or posters where you see like all of the telltale signs of this study lacks kind of strong evidence for anything. But you, you're a lot less likely to say that at conferences, I find. So kind of engaging in like true criticality is more difficult, I think. But I don't know about you. Why? So you're less likely to criticize something at a conference? I think so. But that might just be me because I've heard lots of horror stories about dickhead old white men. So why, why, just explain it to me a bit more, like, why would you think of being, le- like, less critical at a, at a conference? Um, kind of uh, the reasoning so I think sometimes it's, it. it's sort of not wanting to be sort of quote-unquote that guy. Um, so, for example, I've, I've seen talks where it's one of those you can tell and they pretty much say explicitly, we ran every test possible on every everything that could be there and this is what came out um so i i think i managed a nice question at that point which is kind of and now what does that have some implication for the relationship between this particular outcome and whatever it was that the kind of the main research question originated from and that sort of didn't go anywhere but at the same time i could have turned around and said yeah, you, you run like 200 tests and this is the only one that just got below 0.05. So maybe maybe this should be described as a null <laughs> result. Um, I don't know. I guess there's just there's levels of criticality and sometimes the, the immediate I don't trust this isn't necessarily the most productive. But I don't know. Do, do you shout at people at conferences and hmm. tell them that things yeah. are wrong, Amy? Is that is that where you let out your mean streak? <laughs> no, no, no. I, what about you, Sophia? Yeah, you I, mean, I don't know. I, no, I don't. I don't shout at people. That's for sure. And I think at this at this this one bigger conference that I went to, I sort of I expressed some criticism of two presentations because like yeah, one of them was one of them was something where they I think yeah they. They had some. They did some studies where they replicated their own results because they were like, "Oh, this is so unlikely." So I, I ran replications, um, and then like later in the group, like so not at the actual conference because it wasn't, like it it wasn't really my area, and I I felt like it wasn't my place to do that at the actual conference to to, to ask that. But in the group that I was there with later, I. Um, I expressed some criticism regarding that because like all of all of those like the original result and all of the replications were just below and like had p values of just below 0.05 so I was like well I think I would have believed this a little bit more if you know at least some of the replications had been pre-registered and I guess even in that group in, in sort of in the sort of just group com- context that wasn't welcomed very much. So maybe that is a sign that there is, a, there is this idea that you shouldn't be criticizing people like that. I don't know. But I mean, well, in, I, in general, yeah. Oh, sorry, yeah. No, I just, uh, you know, I don't think it's that you shouldn't in a way. Like, we all know that our conferences would be better <laughs> if we would actually talk honestly with each other about what we feel about a poster or a presentation. 
in you know a respectful but firm or scientific way um you know i think i mean i'm i'm the last one to to say that uh, we should yeah, be criticizing no, each other kindly but you know uh, criticisms themselves aren't unkind Yeah. yeah, but I do feel like a conference at conferences I do that less than I should should probably, you know. You see something and you're like I don't know this person at all. Nobody else is kind of pointing out that the degrees of freedom here are are not matching up. Have you stuck um, someone from so, the back? But I'll just keep my <laughs> <laughs> Um, I have super stat tech built in to my brain now. <laughs> uh, no. Um, but yeah, you know, you see something and you feel like you, you would not trust the study, but you're in a room, maybe it's like a kind of bystander effect. You know, you're in a room of a hundred people. Because no one else is doing anything. It. And you're just going to be like. Well, I, I mean, well, I mean, I, I obviously think that you should say something in such a situation. But I guess this is a point where this, like this issue of maybe being an early career researcher does have some kind of meaning, right? Because I guess it's potentially a very vulnerable situation for people whose jobs aren't secure. Not that that would stop me from <laughs> from, from uh, expressing the criticism. And I guess the, I think that's, the, the timing's also quite odd yeah, for a lot of... Uh, let's say poster presentations or even uh, like symposia talks, because in some ways it's also like not an ideal time for feedback because it's almost always work that is kind of completed or under review or kind of at that stage where people are basically wanting to be finished with it. Um, so you kind of add the, oh, I spent ages putting together putting this together and I've just given the presentation and I was really nervous and it's, I think it went well, but I'm not sure. And like on some level you, you don't want to kind of put someone down, but there's also not much you can do at that stage. It's kind of similar to the, like, would you rather review a stage one registered report or a standard submitted paper? And like, I would always prefer to review the pre-registration or the stage one because you can actually help, you can make a difference at that point. Whereas after that, people think and are maybe going to be more defensive or it's going to seem as well, more like attacking what they have done rather than trying to like be constructively critical. I don't know. But they're equally important, right? Oh, no, I, I, I agree. They're equally like important. The, yeah. um, I just kind of wonder if that's maybe... Just one, is, one feels nicer. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Um, and I guess you, you don't want to be that kind of especially for a poster session, right? Because you've actively wandered over to talk to someone. So if you've wandered over to talk to them and sort of said, you, you realize that you need like 10 times as many participants and this isn't going to work, it just doesn't sound nice. Although maybe that's just because my inner monologue is just mean. Yeah, I'm not sure if it's, I'm not, sure if it's not nice, right? Because it being not nice implies that, well, I don't, yeah, I don't think it's a problem of, of niceness or civility or whatever. Um, I think it's, it, you know, it might not be comfortable for either you or the person that you're trying to criticize, but I don't think anyone is helped by like, like when you, if, if you suppress that criticism, because, you know, there might be some reason why, like so, something that you've overlooked, that means that actually that's not a valid criticism. So, um, right. So like that, as in, 
it might be the case that this person can defend what they did um, rather than it being a fatal flaw or, or even something that is actually a mistake. Um, and you would miss out on that, for example, if you didn't talk to them. And you might also actually end up helping them by pointing this out because, you know, it, it might it might just be a typo. Um, if it's if it's something like Amy said, some something not matching up. Um, yeah, no. But of course, I, if it's some, yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, I I think I completely agree that you know, in the end, if you have reservations about something, talking about it is probably the best way to go. But then that's not done at all, really, at conferences. I feel at least not. You know, maybe not at maybe you do it at SIPs or smaller workshops um more and where the environment is different but I have sat in big conferences where I think I would be seen as yeah like I'd also be you know you'd be disturbing the kind of culture of the conference the kind of social norms that people adhere to um and it's really interesting why we have those yeah and I think we talked about this when um, we had uh, Julia Rora on the podcast ages we ago. Did. We, 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 we did. We, yeah, we talked about that. Where it's like different be- between different uh, in, in different different disciplines. Yeah, and that and, and, and I guess I guess economics. It was she yeah, was talking and, about it more. Yeah. yeah, but like, how do you change a social norm? You know. Well, I mean. I I think at the moment it's it's not it's it's less about um, maybe changing it, but making sure that it doesn't go even further in that direction of n- people not being able to criticize each other's research, right? Not not each other, each other's research, <laughs> um, because I th- I think I've seen a lot of talk about um, well that basically yeah, well a lot of things on Twitter for example have basically implied that that any kind of criticism um, shouldn't be happening because it's all unkind by virtue of it criticizing people so that's right so the maybe the issue isn't even about oh maybe we can change something for the better here but actually well let's at least preserve the little room yeah. for criticism that we have it would be a shame to actually like you say continue going down the route of non-critique oh yeah that was okay that i was think a- that's probably a good time to take it quick break oh yeah no Itch. no it's, it's, it's like what's, what's the difference between a criticism and a critique oh, oh God, no not that one that. again because no. <laughs> i still don't know what it is and i think i think i'm okay so absolute note here like if i if i was using the wrong one i meant the one that was kind and not the one that was evil it's always like, for anything <laughs> it's i for me it feels like you know how in the UK, oftentimes, like, if you want to have, like, the posh way of saying it, you say, like, the French-based word, and then if not, you have the Germanic-based word. So you have, like, I don't know, serviette, <laughs> or, or I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm too tired. <laughs> but I feel like that's criticism and critique. is like that critique is, like, the kind of quaint word, but it's kind of, like, the same thing. <laughs> but, yeah, well, I, I mean, I just, I just, I just I Googled it again. I just Googled it again, and the first thing that I found on Google said, criticism is to find fault with and to judge the merits and faults of, and critique is a critical review or commentary, um, especially when dealing with works of art or literature, a critical discussion of a specified topic, and the art of criticism. None of them actually... So somehow this seems to be overlapping quite a bit. none of them actually explicitly make it out that it's like a a negative or like a bad, like, asshole move to do either of these. That's what I don't get. Like, I... 
you can almost use the terms interchangeably and then just have the add-on like were you being a dick at the same time rather than it being anything to do with those specific words um that might that might just be my (laughs) um yeah yeah no, I mean, like, I think, I think, I think, criticism in itself isn't something that's unkind or that that means that you're being a dick or whatever. And at the same time, not criticizing something or not like not sharing your criticisms or you know trying to be kind in quotation marks can also be a really dickish move in certain situations, right? Because you're kind of it means that in a way that you know you're saying that I think it implies that you're not taking the other person's work seriously to some extent, right? Because you're like you kind of mean you're kind of saying well yeah, you know it's not um, worth on that note let's take this. a quick break no break and also Do it. Do it. oh no 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 mm-hmm. break I mean we need to say something um, we yes. just need to remember like all the people who are not in science who are funding us through their hardly paid tax money. If they would know that we would go to conferences and spend loads of loads of money and sit in a really glam location or not so glam location and listen to each other's talks and not criticize them. Yeah. Literally (laughs) science is like what? I think they would be very disappointed. No, that's brilliant. But we yeah. That's just my my point. (laughs) And it's such an important point. Because, like, what's the point of conferences? What's the point? Let's discuss it after the break. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice, Amy. Let's do it. You are listening to Reproducibility, serving you discussion of important issues in science and psychology, one mug of tea at a time. Do you like the taste of our podcast? Give us a follow on Twitter at Reproducibility, rate us on iTunes, and tell other early career researchers about us. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can reach us on Twitter or via our email address, which is reproducibility at gmail.com. Over the next weeks, we will also release some speciality flavors, small podcast episodes talking to a wide range of psychological researchers, especially awesome ECRs that we want you to meet. If you have someone you think should come on the show, send us a message. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, So just before the break, Amy made the great point that uh, at least for those of us that are being kind of funded by the taxpayer, it makes a lot more sense that we are that we are being critical at conferences, that we are engaging with uh, this process, that it isn't just a taxpayer-funded holiday. Um, so I guess the, the question then becomes kind of what's what is the point of going to a conference and participating as an early career researcher? Um, so what do you think? Why, why do you go to conferences? Well, I guess we've, well, I mean, like, so first of all, I guess the, um, we can, we can, we've kind of got this already from, from that last point, right? That there's a division between what I think, probably there's a division between what ideally is the point of going to a conference and what actually is the point of going to a conference, because surely ideally it should be about critically engaging with other people, research, other people's research and you know, seeing stuff like being exposed to stuff that you might not otherwise see or something, and networking, collaborations, things, whatever uh, words. Um, but yeah, is that practically the case? I guess 
It's the question. Or is that is that even what it should be ideally about? I'm not sure. Should it, because it's not really about, well, I guess it's about dissemination, but only to other scientists, not to the general public. Yeah, I've like often come out of conferences being like, oh, I don't know if this was worth it, but then I might have talked to someone at some point and then that helps me reach out to them again if I need assistance on X, Y, or Z or you see them again and then after that second time you end up collaborating or so like I've definitely had varied reviews of and there have been conferences that haven't been worth it clearly for me um so actually in my third year of my PhD I didn't go to really almost any conferences because yeah my second year I didn't really feel like I got a lot out of it and I was like I'd rather produce some work (laughs) before going (laughs) to another conferences because I knew what I wanted to do I didn't you know at the beginning of my PhD I found them really good because yeah I would learn stuff from new people and kind of get a feel of academia in general really but then in my third year I was like guys like I just really need to get this work done (laughs) and then um and then I like go to conferences once once it's it's actually finished. So I actually had a hiatus for a year, <laughs> but I don't know. Sam, so basically, ha- go ahead, Sophia. So basically, you would say that it's as like, so as a PhD student, um, so the earliest of early career or whatever, um, you'd say it's particularly useful to go to conferences before you've done much, and then after you've done done some stuff. <laughs> I don't know. I. I felt like I did that. That's, you know, I had a good pot of money for conferences, so I, I could do that naturally. Um, so maybe sometimes, like, I never went to a huge kind of conference far abroad um, because I felt like that wasn't money that I had to spend. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I, I felt like at the beginning it, it did help me get a feel for, like, what's going on in my area what are the people like what are they looking at uh but then at some point you're just like I just want to do my work at least that's that's what I had I don't know what Sam's uh experience was so I guess I've I've always had something even if it's like a poster to I guess present and talk about a little bit but at one stage I fell into the uh, the sort of, I need to go to lots of conferences because then I can demonstrate that I've presented lots. And it sort of, I think for maybe somewhere between my first and second year of my, my PhD, it was kind of a bit of a cynical kind of view on conferences, um, which I quite regret because I don't think I got as much as I should have out of those conferences. Um, there was also time limitations, so I couldn't like stay for the whole conference and stuff like that. But um, but definitely the... How did you cynically attend a conference? Sorry? So what, sorry, what, that, what does that mean? What does it mean to cynically at- attend a conference? So it was very much like, in in my head, it was, if I go to these two local conferences, then I get two presentations on my CV. I get a little bit of feedback, but mostly it was the CD padding. Right? And mm. now I think that's fucking pointless and an absolute waste of any funding money. Um, because that's not the way that things should be approached as far as I'm concerned. Um, so that's what I would class like a cynical one or, or going because you, you have to tick the boxes of meeting X, Y, Z senior person. But again, in a cynical way of 
kind of card collecting, I've met these people rather than a sort of a really legitimate, I want to talk to them because we have related interests. So I want to try and get some feedback on my work so that it can be improved. I want to kind of network properly to make the contacts because I might want to try and work in that lab for like a visit or something like that. Like that to me is a really worthwhile uh, use of a conference. Whereas, um, so for one, partly because I was very time limited, I pretty much went, gave my talk, talked to a few people at the end of the symposia and then went home. Um, partly because it was a four hour drive both ways. Um, so like there was sort of a reason, but again, it was a very cynical approach. Um, whereas for me now, like the point of a conference is really to try and engage. Otherwise I don't think it's worth it. Um, it's like SIPs is the perfect example for this, right? Because you, you can either go to workshops and learn things that you're going to be able to implement in your own work. You can go to hackathons where you try and create something that's useful. You go to unconferences where you discuss things that are going to really hopefully generate some kind of useful discussion that can then go into projects or uh, various initiatives to actually improve science or psychological science. So like to me, that is a really useful, um, again, as Amy said before the break, like, that's a useful use of taxpayer money in my mind. Mm. I have done cynical conferences <laughs> at the beginning of my PhD as well. Um, but now also like a conference is a big time investment. It's a couple of days of your time. And like, you know, you need to know what else you'll get out of it except, you know, more air miles or, uh, you know, some people, I think we also, yeah, we should kind of see here that I know in other countries, like PhD students have way less funding for conferences as well. So you have to pay some of it out of pocket as well, which which I think we we have never been exposed to. So that can completely change why you go and when you go to certain conferences as well. But I think and, what, and we're very close to many conferences, as in there are conferences that are just in Europe rather yeah. than yeah, yeah. I guess, so I I guess think, like, depending on where you live, you might always have to go abroad to go to conferences. Mm, no, I, I, I can see that. And yeah, so I think what you said, Sam, really rang true to me. You know, um, in the end, conference presentations, yes, you can put them on your CV and it might be important at the beginning to make you feel like you're, you know, you, you're building up some sort of CV and, and you're showing that you're worth it. But in the end, um, you know, conferences are so much more uh, and you'll probably get more out of it if you go there to engage or to meet people and you take that time as well. And sometimes it just takes time. Like I've gone, yeah, as I say, I often find that the positives of a conference only come to me after the conference. I'm often like very stressed in a conference being like, I'm not making the most of it. I'm not being interesting enough. Like I'm not meeting enough people or like I met a lot of people, but I've not got a collaboration out of this, but it like takes time to grow afterwards as well. And I guess that kind of like the question of when should you go to conferences, I think is, is just so much more complicated than even, so we sort of talked about almost sort of stage of your PhD, for example, as being important. But then I think, even even the same conference one year to the next can be 
very different in terms of whether it's worth it or not to go. Um, so, for example, the, the conference I mentioned earlier, BBCP, I went two years in a row, and the, the first year was amazing mm. because there were so many people from my kind of subfield there that I could bounce ideas off of, that I could talk about things. And then the year after, it was kind of very sparse. Um, so I I spent a lot of the time at that conference finishing up the corrections for my thesis. Um, so kind of when should you go to conference, I think, depends also on like who else is going to be there. Is it the right timing to actually get the sort of input and feedback that you want? Um, it's just complicated. Yes, it is. Um, yeah. <laughs> Sophia, how have, you, how have you kind of decided which conferences you've been to so far? Well, I mean, so <laughs> so I've I've only now have any kind of funding to go anywhere, right? So until now, I've gone to to things if I've been given money to go, so that I can actually go because I can't just pay for like you know even if the conference itself is free, I can't just like I can't just afford to fly somewhere or even to take a really expensive train randomly. Um, so yeah, I mean, so, so far that's, yeah, that, that's been, that's been quite a clear limiting factor. So I've been, I've, yeah. So I went to places in the Netherlands while I was in the Netherlands where I had to pay like, you know, 10 euros for a train or something. Um, and then the one in like SIPS last year that, well, that was in the, in the U S and I got a scholarship for that. Um, so yeah, so but that 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 was relatively straightforward, I guess, to decide. Um, now I am not sure yet. Um, so I was actually talking about this recently, um, and like, sort of, like thinking about this as well, um, as to how many yeah, how many things I want to go to in my first year, because um, there seem to be lots of interesting meta science things happening, like where people actually meet in person. Um, and I want, I def, I think I want to go, but also, you know, if like one of them is, is just a day um, and it's a seven hour train ride and it's like, it's not clear that I could definitely actively participate because I don't actually have anything that I could, I could put on a poster, for example. So the question is, you know, is, is that worth it? If it's the only thing, sure, but then there are other things as well, right? So it's sort of, yeah, I, I'm, I'm finding it quite difficult to, to decide this, I have to say. Um, so like on the one hand, I'm thinking, well, I'm, I'm at the very beginning of this whole PhD thing anyway. Um, so, you know, um, yeah, so on the one hand, I haven't actually produced much yet, but on the other hand, um, I also don't have the insane pressure to have produced anything yet. So surely this is a nice time to just see what's happening. Like you said, Amy, to just see what's happening in the field and what people are thinking and to talk to people. But on the other hand, you know, there's yet there is that question of whether that's worth it time-wise, and if it just it doesn't just stop me doing things, actually doing things. But yeah, I don't know. I think I'll probably go. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends how much time-wise as well, because I think worrying about like a couple of days to to go to a conference and meet people and stuff, it's not actually that much time. Like we probably most people that have that use R have lost two days on fiddling with GG plot to get the color slightly different or something ridiculous like that. So like it's it's time that we kind of we'd lose to just doing stuff that we should be doing. So <laughs> I guess I'm, I I don't worry personally at least I don't worry too much about things from that side of things. Um, 
if it's going to be a valuable conference to go to, I guess. Um, I don't think it should be too much of a, a worry time-wise. Um, hmm. Yeah, like, um, it's, yeah, I don't, I, I guess, like, it depends on your schedule as well. Like, when I was, when I had my teaching position during term time, that meant that one day was more or less teaching anyways. Um, and so then you're like, oh, wow, like I have four days in a week. Um, and I do, you know, it, I, I do feel like they are, they are a time investment as such. And it's not like you should worry about it, but it is something that I do think about kind of saying, you know, I, I can do quite a lot in four days. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, sometimes I need to fiddle with are and sometimes I lose a lot of time but it, it is time that I have to spend anyways as well um and and four days four full days uninterrupted days are actually you know getting rarer and rarer for me so um yeah so I think I don't know I I, I try not to think about it too much in a like oh this is a lost time perspective but I I must confess I do think about the timing of conferences as well yeah yeah i guess i i kind of do there's more of them so I, I i have i think three last year that were around about three or four weeks apart and that was just a really awkward three months because i was almost always either preparing a presentation or getting back from a conference or getting a poster ready and it was kind of then it felt more like lost time for me because i could never actually engage with work but I think that was just more because it was too many conferences rather than because it was like a single one. I don't know. Hmm. Yeah, I'm like, mm. I'm a person of like pro one project only mind space. So for me, having a conference, it does disrupt my workflow quite a bit. Um, just like having, and that's also having talks somewhere or uh, going somewhere for a meeting. So I'm, I'm always like, reluctant but then I do do it and I love it and and then it's fine <laughs> but yeah I don't know it's hard to choose yeah I mean so Amy from choose. yeah because like so like it, it clearly is because from so from what you said um just yeah earlier um about uh, thinking about timing or not thinking about timing um I sort of at one point in what, like while, while you were saying this, I was like, ha, I can, like, this, this is clearly an argument for myself um, to go because, um, uh, oh God, because you said about how um, you have a lot of free days. It's just, uh, yeah, like, like time, timing shouldn't matter. Mm. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it, if, it, if it's only one day or if it's two days or whatever, it, it doesn't, doesn't matter that much because it's also time that you need to spend. But then you also said, well, and now it's so rare for you to have four uninterrupted days. And I don't have any teaching responsibilities, not right now, at least. Um, so, you know, should I be making use of all of that uninterrupted time that I have? Because essentially my time is entirely my time right now. Yeah, like I, I think there you, you start seeing how in academia it's the same. Like when I started my PhD, I would be annoyed at, or like I would see time spent on a coffee with somebody or time spent like an hour spent walking outside because I couldn't concentrate as lost time and now I really tried to just see it as part of my work you know yes it's not me sitting at a desk but we're employed to think about things and to come up with new ideas and to really critically engage and 
that's different to work where you're pushing papers around on a desk, you know? And so, yeah, so I think it just makes it even more harder to think what is worthwhile and what is not, because you can't predict at the beginning whether at that conference you'll meet that person that you'll do an amazing collaboration with or you'll get that idea which can change your research um, or it's just going to be you sitting in a room not really feeling it. And that's the same with, you know, maybe you feel really tired at 3 p.m. and you're like, oh, I should, you know, maybe I should go out for a walk and you get an amazing idea or you just go out for a walk and you've wasted some time, you know, and I feel like <laughs> there I've been trying to get more lenient with myself, but I still find it difficult. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's a really nice thought. I really like this way of thinking. Like of thinking that you know, like if like some at least to some degree, you know, for example, going for a walk when you can't concentrate is actually part of the whole process. That's really yeah. Nice. I I keep on saying that with sleep or like self care time. I'm like this is part of work. Like I need to think a lot. <laughs> like I need this, and this is this is part of what I'll do to become a better scientist. Maybe that's just me. <laughs> like making like yes this tv show will help me but i don't know i it's something that i feel like has a change of mindset that i definitely grew into in the kind of purpose of my phd because at the beginning i'd be like oh wow that coffee with a person took two hours and now i need to do two hours more work in the evening because i lost that time and i'm just like no this is my work like i'm getting new ideas and at some point but I never know when they'll they'll come in and actually be like that. No, that's really that, nice. That will change, you know, that will really help me contribute to science. Mm. Sorry, I've been rambling. But no, not at all. I thought, I thought there was a really, really good advice. Advice I would have liked to have gotten from at the beginning of my PhD, really. When it ties quite nicely into, I, I guess, making conferences useful. Ah, this is so good. You guys can just give me lots of good advice. <laughs> <laughs> so how, um, I guess, a general question that might be, especially for early career people is like how how can you make the most of a conference um and i guess from from what amy just said it's not a case of go to every session like a fucking robot um actually break and all that kind of stuff but like how how have you gone about making the most of a conference well what what do you think sam what is your what would your advice Ooh, be? Uh, damn it, that's why I was wanting you guys. To. <laughs> um, okay, so I'll, I'll, say like, one, I'll say so, one. I'll say one. Okay, you got something. You go. Um, <laughs> so I guess SIPS was maybe a good example that because it's the kind of format that you can propose sessions and and that kind of thing that you can always um, try and set up a session that's useful. Um, or that you particularly want feedback on or to discuss a certain idea with people. Um, I mean, to be fair, even on the second night of SIPs, we had measurement drinks. So we just arranged for anybody that was interested in measurement and psychometrics, if they felt like it, to come along to, I forget the name of the bar. And we ended up crowding out the bar and had so many great conversations that night. Um and that was purely from doing the whole, the real conferences at the bar thing. But again, that wouldn't have happened without kind of having that uh, Twitter blast of should we do this? Um, and then Aaron shouts Aaron for like actually 
planning a place. Um, so that's stuff that I think is useful, sort of actually trying to proactively sort of make sure or set things up that you're going to get a lot out of. It's kind of one thing. Um, so how about how about you, Sophia? So say for SIPs, for example, or the other conference that you've been to, have you kind of gone out to, to set anything up or to do anything out of the ordinary to kind of make make the most of it for you? Um, I have to say, I yeah, I didn't approach the things that I've gone to so far um, in in that way. Um, <laughs> I guess like really like 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 for SIPS, I I mean both this year and last year, I was just so excited to be going to SIPS. So <laughs> I think I think my main plan was just to be very excited and uh, and just yeah to talk to people and to look what look at what like just see what's happening i don't know i just i yeah it was i was i did not approach either sipses or um or anything else i've gone to so far with a an actual proper plan um mm. maybe maybe i should i don't know but i've like so far i i've i've had a, a, a lot of fun at the things that i've gone to um mostly because well, I mean, yeah, a lot of fun at these at, the, at these unconventional conferences. I thought I thought those were all fantastic um, because you just get to engage with people. Um, and you get to hear so many different points of view, right? Because it's not just senior people talking; it's it's kind of everyone engaging with each other, which is just fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't know what I would do for a more um, classic kind of conference. Um, How do you approach? I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure how I would approach that. I'm not sure if I will be in that position at any point though. <laughs> um, I think for classic conferences, yeah, like something that I tried to do is that at, at least one coffee break or drink session or whatever social event in the conference per day, I tried to talk to a group of people that I don't know. Um, and I think that's, that's something I tried to do. And it's often quite nice. Um, yeah, like SIPs, for example, is just basically one big coffee break, but you're actually doing interesting stuff. Together. Yeah, and I feel like in bigger conferences or if you're with a group of people that you know, it's often you end up just talking to them. Um, and then I come out of the conference and I'm just like, oh, wow, I just talked to the people that I knew and it was nice. But maybe there was like, you know, there were so many other people there that might have been interesting. And so, yeah, so I try to do that now and it, it's hard and sometimes I don't succeed. Um, but yeah, try to talk to people that you don't know and, and just, yeah, see what they're up to. And, and it's often quite nice. That's what, yeah, my penny would be to add. That's a nice word doing it. And I guess if, if you've got time in terms of planning conferences, uh, in advance, then you've also got a really strong position to to kind of make make the conference a little bit more the kind of experience that you want. So, like proposing a symposia and inviting specific people that you'd like to kind of meet and talk to is kind of one way of doing things. Um, in next year's um, affective science conference. Uh, myself and Heather Yuri are proposing a essentially an open science pre-conference. Um, partly for the reason that 
I think last year I kind of didn't quite get as much out of it as I would have liked. Whereas this way, if we're going to have a cool pre-conference, then it's going to meet a lot of people and hopefully help to kind of uh, make a bit of a difference within that society as well. So that was kind of and a really, really thinking far in advance, I guess, to try and make, make the conference uh, kind of the best thing for, for me. Hmm. Uh, but we'll see how that goes. <laughs> yeah, it depends on your, like, it just depends on your yeah position and if you have something to talk about and and stuff. But yeah, like, I think I definitely like conferences where I, I can also share some of my work. And I think that's when I didn't go to conferences where I felt like I was doing very good work, but it was all not done. And I had stuff I could have presented, but I didn't like it. And then I was like, actually, it's better for me just not to do it. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Uh, so that might also be, if you don't feel like going to conferences, don't have to. That's a good, yeah, I think that's a really strong point is, uh, is exactly that. If you don't feel like you're going to get anything from it, don't go. Cool. Conferences should work for you. Um, yeah, and they're all different. I just find it really interesting to hear what other people are up to as well. I don't know. Hmm. I guess but I am I at a different can... stage as well, right? I am at a stage where, like, I really don't, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It's yeah, it's 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 more about seeing what's what's happening, I guess, and what I want to be doing. Yeah, and like it becomes different once you're on the job market. You know, it's completely different mm. once. And I think that's a thing. Like a lot of the advice we're gonna give might not work for any for for somebody else. Um, and so I think, I think maybe the answer is that there's there's no like way to do a conference um but yeah there's a way to kind of just critically think about them and, yeah. and not feel pressure to go just because you think it's it's the thing to do well, i think that's a brilliant point to finish up on um thank you as always to everybody that listens and gives us feedback if you have anything that you want us to chat about um discuss in the future if you have any suggestions for other awesome early career people um that you would like to hear from then give us a shout dms are open and we will see you next time bye, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>